Hello, and welcome to the Innovation Engine podcast. I'm joined today by friend and colleague, Elizabeth Beller, Three Pillar Global's SVP of Client Services. We are absolutely thrilled to have Joanne Joliet joining us as our guest today. Joanne is currently head of worldwide fashion and apparel at Amazon Web Services, and has had a long career in research and analytics in the retail industry. Previously, she was senior research director in retail at Gartner, and has led digital innovation in executive roles at Belk and Family Dollar Stores, Inc. We're excited to hear her take on how retail has digitally transformed, how the COVID pandemic affected that transformation, and where we go from here. So Joanne, let's get right into it. You've gone through a transition of your own in the last year, moving from Gartner to Amazon Web Services, where you're now leading the global business development for fashion and apparel and retail and CPG. What have been some of the highlights and challenges of that shift? Sure. You know, the transition's been exciting for many reasons. Um, First of all, joining Amazon and Amazon Web Services um, has been really exciting to learn about their culture, specifically the culture of innovation and how they work backwards from the customer to drive you know, intrinsic value um, based on what those customers' needs are. It, it's very different than other organizations as far as the processes and mechanisms. So that's been really exhilarating to see um, how one of the, the world's leading companies does that. Secondly, um, you know, obviously with the pandemic, the, the challenge and the excitement of Moving into fashion and apparel, you know, when the world shuttered and we all moved to sweatpants has been exciting and challenging in its own right. So looking at how I help our customers enable their customer experience when styles have shifted, when demand has shifted, um, you know, how we improve digital engagement uh, when customers either need to be remote or or would like to be remote. So helping them navigate, um, you know, certainly through the current current period as well as position themselves for success over the long term has been really fascinating. You know, what's interesting is digital transformation is never done. It, It is a constant activity for customers in order, one, to survive this moment, certainly, and then to move forward. So working with our customers to build those partnerships for long-term success is something I'm certainly passionate about and really excited to be doing at AWS. How are you finding that in AWS's case, there's a true unified commerce uh, omni-digital approach in helping to drive growth? Talk a little bit about that unified commerce piece. Yeah, absolutely. You know, certainly with the pandemic and, and all of us forced to be remote globally, the uptick in digital sales is was exponential. Um, and, and that will continue. However, the, the physical aspects for, for retailers and CPGs and to support that is paramount. So from a unified commerce perspective, it's about converging the digital and physical touch points in order to deliver that holistic customer experience. And what, what I mean by that is that digital ultimately has become the front door to retail. Um, when you think about the, you know, the customer journey, it, it's starting on the, our couches and our, you know, with our mobile devices in our hands or, or wherever we may be. And so that, that convenience will live long after the, the pandemic. So from a unified commerce perspective, it's enabling 
you know, retailers to um, allow the customer to browse, shop, transact, and acquire that product anywhere and everywhere. One of the, the big misconceptions is that everything will go online. Well, digital sales is certainly a metric that supports the growth in, in online sales, but where that sale materializes is actually more important. And the majority of um, uh, sales is actually being supported from the store through a fulfillment perspective. There, there are retailers like Target through the pandemic where 90% of their online orders were fulfilled from the physical store. And the benefit to that was a reduction um, roughly about 30% in fulfillment costs, if, if not more. So again, it's, um, you know, the, the unified commerce offering is, is paramount in order to give the customer the ultimate flexibility of browsing for the products, actually transacting um, that product and acquiring that product wherever he or she may be. Joanne, I'd like to dig a little more into how the pandemic specifically impacted the fashion and apparel sector um, which is obviously the sector that you work with, and they were some of the hardest hit when the pandemic upended uh, consumer buying habits. Were there specific brands that you saw cope with the challenge really well? And what trends do you see for this sector as we try to get back to normal um, in, from a, the consumer behavior perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, again, we, we all kind of shifted to our comfy clothes in, in March 2020 or, or, or a little earlier, depending on what region you're in. And so that that disruption was was materially felt worldwide. The, the brands that were successful were the ones that were already in position for the disruption. They had been investing in digital transformation, IT modernization for years, right? Um, you know, the example I just gave about Target, they, they'd been making those, those adjustments for, for um, many, many years leading up to that. And so um, being able to uh, be agile in that moment, shift your supply chains, you know, shift and, and create a, a great engagement experience for customers, regardless of whether uh, you're doing it at the store in a digital channel, um, is really, really the, the elements that made certain companies very successful about that. You know, the, the grocery um, segment certainly felt the pressure of the pandemic and usually get, um, you know, are, aren't really well known for as far as innovation, but they've actually been trialing a lot of innovation um, up to the pandemic, you know, including things like Instacart and, and other options. And so that was a good example of how quickly they were able to pivot and stay, um, you know, stay viable through a, a very dramatic period. You know, for the companies that do survive this, right? So we saw many companies falter, you know, over the last year, um, you know, claiming that COVID was the reason for for their demise. You know, honestly, that that was really kind of the last straw that that hurt those retailers. They they had been struggling for years leading up to that, and so I, I you know, I have to kind of pause when they say, you know, COVID, COVID caused, uh, caused this. So the companies that do survive, you know, I expect a, a dramatic shift of investment towards IT modernization and digital transformation in order to be prepared for that next disruption. This isn't going to be the last disruption we've seen. You know, right after we kind of came out of the pandemic, you know, the Suez Canal was clogged up um, and created another round of it. You know, I think we're going to continue to see it in a, an extreme amount of geopolitical pressures that are going to impact supply chains and manufacturing and, you know, certainly digital presence. You saw what happened in in, the, in China with H&M and their boycott of, of cotton there and being digitally obliterated um, in that region for, for taking a stance on, on an issue that they, they feel very strongly about. 
So I think for the companies who will survive, they will put themselves in a position for speed, scale, and agility that is all predicated on a foundation of data and analytics and being able to sense those very small changes before they become seismic in nature so that they can be even preemptive um, of those issues versus being responsive and reactive. That's great. Can you talk a little bit more about things that you saw happening before the pandemic hit in terms of where retail was headed? And were there any shifts that were either accelerated by the pandemic that you think will continue or some things that may have been disrupted by the by COVID that won't continue? Yeah, you know, certainly, as I mentioned before, the increase in digital sales is is going to continue. And again, it, it's in my opinion, it's not necessarily where that transaction play, takes place, but where the the order actually materializes. Digital engagement will will absolutely continue. And as I mentioned before, digital has become the front door to retail. That is, you know, through mobile. That is through social. That is through IoT. We've worked with customers to create um, virtual stores and, and digital interactions so that a customer can actually shop. In a, in a virtual format with the, the, the physical store, um, like Ralph Lauren and, and, and others, um, so that they get that, that immersive experience. You know, as far as, you know, the digital experience, what has to go with that is, is an increase in customer confidence in, in the purchases and um, that they're making in that digital channel. What I mean by that is the average return rate for fashion apparel items of online orders is, is over 50%. That makes sense, right? You buy a pair of shoes, you're actually going to buy your size and the size up and you're going to return the other pair. Right there, you're at 50%. You know, if you're if you're like me, you're going to buy 10 pairs of jeans and return nine. And I, I'm, the, I'm the worst offender, I'll admit that. But if as retailers continue to support an increase in online sales, that comes with an opportunity to offer greater personalization through, you know, technologies of, of artificial intelligence and machine learning to understand what my preferences are both in that, in that, journey as well as past journeys, um, as well as other customers who may operate and behave very similarly so that the recommendations made to me um, will ultimately reduce that return rate because I'll be happier with those products. You know, certainly, you know, making sure that the forecast is proper, properly allocated so that the product is where, you know, the customer wants it and where it's easiest for the retailer to get it to the customer. You know, again, lots of advancements in, in technologies like augmented reality, which was adopted, you know, uh, more so during the pandemic, certainly what was available pre-pandemic. But the use of that, you know, in parallel with gaming as well, it is, is propelling that forward. So how does something look on me? Uh, accessories are, are certainly... Um, well positioned for that over over you know fashion, which can be a little bit challenging to really get the fit and, and the look right. But you know all all of those capabilities, I think, will continue to move forward after the pandemic. And, it, and it's not simply you know one of them; it's the combination of them. So you think of things like social selling or live commerce, um, you know, connected clienteling. So you know, one example that we're really proud of is, is Neiman Marcus and their their Neiman Marcus Connect app, which is a hundred percent serviceless app running on AWS. And what this this app enables uh, their associates to do is to connect with customers when the customers remote, but still give them that in-store experience of you know personalized lookbooks and, and other client telling aspects. And, and the results have been very staggering. You know, this this resulted in $3 million of incremental daily sales for Neiman Marcus when most retailers were, were struggling to, to ring um, much, much less. And overall the ROI was 25 500%. 
So, you know, when you think about what retail looks like and the customer experience looks like post-pandemic, it really has to be a convergence of the digital and physical um, in order to meet, you know, customer expectations and really delight um, the customer uh, and create brand equity and, and overall retention. I love the Neiman Marcus story. I'll have to check that out. Of all the things you just talked about, some advancements that have been made over the last 18 months, if you had to pick just one that you're most excited about going forward, what would that be? I I think it's a really interesting question because we've seen a lot of interesting use cases over the last 18 months. But, But candidly, the technologies aren't new. Right. Whether you know, we, we've been looking at computer vision and AI and, and IoT and other tech for, for years. It's how they're being used and, and the combination of, of how they're being used to create um, differentiated experiences. And that's what I think is really, really exciting. And the pandemic has served as a springboard to additional innovation on that. You know, we you know, through the pandemic and even before the pandemic, we were using computer vision to recognize license plates to enable faster curbside pickup. Um, We're looking at computer vision uh, to understand behaviors um, in the supply chain and the store to be more predictive and preemptive of of operational efficiencies and in the customer experience. Certainly AI, you know, allows us as humans to make better decisions at scale and and, and much faster again to to be ahead of issues before they even occur. So so that's what I'm excited about is that, you know, even across industry, outside fashion apparel, outside retail and CPG, these technologies are being used in ways that that is really driving new innovation and products and services are helping us in, in all aspects of our life. The other thing that I think is really interesting and exciting is the collaboration that we've seen over the last 18 months. You you have very unusual um, partnerships coming together to achieve similar goals, right? So, you know, through the pandemic, you saw Ford and Dyson and, and, uh, you know, other companies stopping what they're doing to collaborate together and and make PPE and really get us out of some of those most urgent moments. I think we'll continue to see more and more of that, um, certainly as we we open our economies and open borders, get back to a better level of collaboration to drive greater good towards, towards consumers, regardless of industry. I think that's a great point, and we're we're really seeing that in many other industries as well. I work, do a lot of work in healthcare and financial services, also. And one of the things that I observe all the time is that the you know the technology's been there for so long, but I think the use case wasn't there, and the 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 knowledge of how to apply it wasn't there. And I think people are finally figuring that out. And I think the pandemic accelerated that a little bit, not just in retail, but in other industries as well. Um, And so that's one of the things I'm really excited about is how we're going to take these technologies that have been around for a while that are finally getting to the point where people understand how they can be used to solve real world business problems. So I think that's that's a great example. One of the technologies that's been around for decades that I'm passionate about is RFID. And it's actually a military technology and has really, you know, started to grow in adoption in retail. Certainly, you know, inventory accuracy through RFID was really the base case for many retailers. But you have others like H&M and and Nike, Rebecca Minkoff, um, and, and several others who are using RFID to 
create interactive experiences within the store, right? So if I if I approach a smart display with a product, you know, I get the rich digital content of that product on that smart display. You know, I can connect to social. I can do a, a lot of things with RFID throughout both the digital and physical or converging the digital and physical aspects. And so, again, just a, a great example of how a, a very established technology can be used in, in very new and exciting use cases. Well, speaking of technology, and we've talked, we, we've touched on it a bit earlier in the conversation, what role does AI play in the future of retail? And a, a couple of follow-on questions that, are there any companies that you're watching that are leveraging AI already? Or are there those that you expect to roll out AI-fueled solutions who will have a major impact on the retail industry at large? Kind of anyone out there that you're watching? Yeah, you know, certainly AI is, is the, the central nervous system for, for retailers. And again, the the better decisioning you have across the, the enterprise, the, the better you will be in serving your customers. And, and that certainly drives profitability and, and um, overall success. You know, the amount of data that, that retailers have at their fingertips now is, is um, exorbitant, right? We, you know, retailers have multiple years of plastic past planning history, you know, with devices at the edge, we're getting sensors, you know, throughout, you know, our physical environments, you know, we're tracking as retailers tracking every click on websites. So being able to look at that data um, independent of the silo in which it's occurring and, and really create actionable insights for that is really what's going to separate the retailers who are ultimately successful and those who will continue to lag and struggle. You know, AI is, is used, you know, to ensure that a product is in the right place, that the forecast is right, that retailers aren't over-purchasing and ultimately ending up with, you know, billions of dollars in debt inventory and, and you know, impacting their sustainability goals. You know, certainly from a customer experience perspective, AI is being used to drive personalization, um, you know, similar to the, the name and market use case I mentioned earlier. So there, there are lots of use cases uh, throughout, you know, some of the, the, the retailers that I look at that and have worked with that we're proud of is certainly Zalando is one where they're using AI to improve the fit for their customers. And again, that, that creates customer confidence, reduced returns, and, and the costs related to those reduced returns, which is fantastic. Another uh, fashion apparel uh, company that we're working with is Pomelo. They're using AI within personal, personalized and personalization on their website to improve click-through rates and um, ultimately uh, conversion rates and seeing double-digit growth in, in both, again, adding to basket as, as well as sales and um an overall margin. So that's exciting. Foot Asylum has used AI to, again, manage uh, their forecast uh, engine with our partner Peak AI and, and really improve accuracy of, of product. And another great use case um, outside of uh, fashion apparel is Moray, uh, Indian grocer, who's using forecast to improve their accuracy, you know, up to 70 plus percent and ultimately reducing waste. So when you think, you know, about waste, fashion apparel is a little easier since those products aren't perishable. Um, but when you think about grocery and being able to use AI to eliminate uh, waste in that, that, that's really exciting and material to, again, how, how we are operating as a globe and, and, and feeding, feeding our neighbors. AI at some point will become table stakes. 
across all industries. Do you have a time frame on when you think that it'll be considered table stakes in the retail industry? And maybe it already is. I, I actually think it already is. And again, it, it's the ability to faster, better decisions. Um, we're, you know, certainly AI has become inherent in, in every solution conversation. Um, but how do you layer on AI across those solutions? How are you connecting your forecasting solution to your warehouse management solution? Um, again, so you don't have silos of data or silos of decision decisioning. And so, you know, AI, in my, in my opinion, is table stakes. The ability to leverage it effectively will be the difference in success between, you know, several companies. And so it's exciting to see how that will materialize over, over the next few years. What I, what I also think is important about AI and, and the ability to consume massive amounts of data, identify the patterns and, and create actionable insights is also the ability to see the lack of data or the lack of patterns, right? So, you know, as a retailer, if I'm selling something, I have a data point based on that sale. If I'm a retailer and I there's a product that goes into a fitting room a hundred times and never converts to a sale, I don't have a data point on that because I don't have a sales record unless I have RFID, which tells me it moved and, and never converted. Um, but I think that that's where retailers also have an opportunity is to look at the lack of data or the lack of data patterns to figure out what's missing. You know, has a product not sold? You know, in in X amount of time. I, I remember there was an older grocery example where. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving, a grocer I was working with in, in a past role realized that um, cranberry sauce hadn't sold in the last 27 minutes against all their lanes of checkout. The inventory levels su suggested that the cranberry sauce was on hand. It, it was, it just wasn't on the floor. And now that doesn't seem like a big deal when you're talking about cranberry sauce, which is on special the day before Thanksgiving, except the impact to the customer experience and the fact that you've just made somebody else go to another store before they have to get home to their family. And that's what I mean about looking at the lack of data and identifying problems that aren't bubbling up because because there's a missing data point. And that's where AI can really help as well is to create those insights when data is missing. Great example with the cranberry sauce. I don't like having to go to multiple stores on the day before Thanksgiving, that's for sure. So Joanne, if I'm a retail leader in 2021, what is your best advice for me as I look forward? My, my best advice is, is to be ready for the next, next disruption. As I alluded to this earlier, the pandemic wasn't the last disruption we've seen as a global economy. Neither was the Suez Canal, uh, you know, jam up. Um, there will be continued disruptions, um, you know, coming from a variety of, of you know, areas, you know, including technology. And so to be successful, you know, my, my advice is be ready for it. Be in a position to be scalable, to be flexible, to be agile in order to, you know, shift your, your operations if necessary to in order to meet your customer expectations. That seems like a pretty lofty prescription for this, but, but it's really not. It's about moving to the cloud, being able to get to your data in real time, and again, to leverage AI and other capabilities to sense those signals as they are beginning before they become seismic in nature. And so, you know, if, you know, I were having this conversation one-on-one -on -one with a retailer, it'd be looking at, you know, their, their overall ecosystem, what needs to change in order to figure out where they're not going to be stopped in the water come the next disruption. 
You mentioned trying to stay ahead of customer needs. What can you say about how Amazon Web Services um, stays ahead of what your customers want and any lessons that you might be able to provide to other retailers? Sure. One of the the cultural elements about about Amazon and AWS is, is we truly are customer obsessed. And so staying ahead of our customer needs and their customer needs is really where we start every conversation and, and work backwards from that. So, you know, predicting, you know, certainly, you know, or understanding certainly what their needs are today, but predicting where, where they will be in the future. And again, positioning them. So regardless of not knowing exactly what that might look like in, in three, five years, right, as, as things will continue to change, but positioning them to, to be able to adjust to that if and when those, those changes occur. Joanne, during each of our podcast episodes, we love to, to ask some questions that we call the speed round. So we ask these questions of all of our guests. What is your favorite piece of technology? This is probably a lame answer, but it, it really is my smartphone. Um, I can't think of a single piece of technology that I could live without besides my smartphone. It, it, I forget who said it, but somebody said it's the Swiss Army knife of technology. And it, it really is um, considering every, everything that you can access through your mobile device today. So that really is my favorite piece of tech. What's the most used app on that smartphone? Well, um, I'm an avid tennis player. So I tend to use the USTA app or uh, my Tennis Point app almost daily to prep for my matches as I like to kind of size up my competition, see what their ratings are, see who they've played, um, see what their their season score is. So I look at that pretty frequently um, along with some of the other usual suspects. But um, I really do like those apps. Again, coming back to the conversation on data and analytics and, and being able to be prepared and preemptive of, of maybe what's coming. So uh, those are probably my two favorites. Love it. What was your first interaction or your first memory related to technology? This is probably going to date me a little bit, but my first memory or interaction of technology is probably with an Atari gaming system and, and playing that with my four older brothers when they would allow me to, to play. You know, it, it's pretty interesting when you think about Atari and, and gaming systems and where they are today. Uh, recently, a, a virtual product, a, a Gucci handbag, was just sold within the platform Roblox, which, uh, which is a far, far cry from the graphics and capabilities of Atari. I was just going to say, we've come a long way from Pong to buying virtual Gucci handbags and Roblox. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Last speed round question. When you are talking with other business leaders and and also when you talk with people like students and and future business leaders, uh, what's the one piece of advice that you have found helpful or learned throughout your career that you think could be helpful to someone else? Yeah. Excellent question. My my advice would, would be always think about how you can improve something. And, and this lesson came uh, in my first role out of college with, with Anderson, now, now Accenture. I, I had a job to, to complete a certain task over, over many months, and my manager had laid out the process and the steps to do this, and I follow, followed it to a T. I thought I had done a really great job. So when I got to my performance review and he had rated me outstanding versus exceptional, I, I couldn't understand why, and I asked him, and he said, you, you did do... Um, an outstanding job. You did everything I asked you to do. He said, but what would have been exceptional would have been if you improved on what I what I had laid out. He said, just because I laid it out and I'm your superior doesn't mean that it's the best way to do it. 
So, you know, that that hit me really hard and, and it stuck with me to always look at, you know, even if something's really great, there, there's a way to improve it. I mean, you know, our conversation on Atari, Atari was pretty great, but look at how far we've improved that over, over the last, you know, several decades, you know, with, with graphics and collaboration and virtual reality and, and other aspects. And so, you know, even as we continue to innovate and come up with really great and cool, groundbreaking solutions and services, there's always a way to improve that. And and, and that comes back to the culture of, of innovation at Amazon and being customer obsessed is, you know, how do you improve something that's that that's already pretty fantastic? Great advice. Joanne, thank you so much for joining us today. We've been wanting to have you on the podcast for, for a number of months, many moons, and it's wonderful to have you today. It was insightful, it was engaging, and you've left us with a lot to think about. And you've left left our community of listeners, business leaders and digital product leaders around the world with really good information to consider and think about. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been great. Appreciate it. This has been an episode of The Innovation Engine, a podcast from Three Pillar Global. If you have questions, comments, or guest suggestions, email us at info at threepillarglobal.com. Three